Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. It's time to stop the fighting, and it starts right here. We are David and Tracy Sellers with Vows to Keep Radio. What's the fight that you can't solve? We'd like to help. Oh, good. You guys are going to give us some communication techniques, right? Yeah, some healthy fighting tips, right? Wow, we could really use those. Nope, that's not what we're going to do today. The answer we're going to be talking about today comes in a somewhat indirect approach. Instead of looking at the quality of the apples on your tree, we're going to help you look at the roots. We'll get to the apples, the evidence of how healthy your marriage is. But first... We're going to look at why there are fights between you and your spouse and how that fighting can stop. But here's the caveat. We're going to show you what success is, even if your spouse doesn't change one single bit. David, I heard this story this week about this couple who got married 35 years ago. And at their wedding, a guy came into the reception area and swiped some of their stuff without anybody knowing it. In one of the bags that he took was a roll of film, and of course it contained the couple's wedding photos. Bad day, right? Well, the bag got ditched later that night, and some random lady found it. Now, she had the pictures developed, and she was pretty desperate to give them to the rightful owners, of course, but she never did find them. Then here we are 35 years later, and a couple weeks ago, this lady was going to be moving to a different house. And in her packing, she runs across these pictures again. Well, now Facebook is a thing. So she posts them online to see if anybody knows this couple. And lo and behold, they were claimed. The thief that day got away with stealing a precious part of their lives. But through God's hand, they were returned. Now, this couple who had just gotten married, they weren't on the lookout for a thief that day. When things are going good, everything's perfect, right? We've been there too. We're unaware of when something's going to come in and steal what's precious in our marriage, steal our affection for each other, our future, our intimacy, our friendship. We don't even realize that what we have between us is stealable, but then it happens. And the person we made our vows to, the person we committed to love at any cost, this marriage that looks so promising is now undesirable. When we believe a lie that our spouse is the one who's robbed us, We can't go any further. We can't grow. We get stuck. And many of us are right there right now, cemented, just glued in the place of a marital standoff. We see ourselves as enemies. We point to our fighting and arguing as the proof of that. I've got to say that when Tracy and I have locked horns, it does feel like it's me against her. We're on opposing teams. He's trying to get the best score so we can bring home the victory. But have we considered that we're fighting the wrong thing, the wrong person? Who and what are we really fighting? Really, there are two wars that are happening. This is what we learned in part one of this broadcast. Listen to that online at vows2keep.com or any of the popular podcast arenas. Back to James 4, we learned what's causing the quarrels and fights among us come from the evil desires that are at war within us. We want what we don't have. So we scheme and we kill our relationships to get it. We buy into the lie that that thing, whatever that thing is, is going to make me happy. Or when he finally does this, I will be fulfilled. We asked you last time so that we'd have clarity on what our wants and desires are. What was the last thing that you and your spouse fought about? Think about that. 
Listen to Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And it's so important to realize that that battle is within us, not with our spouse, because when we realize this, it changes everything about our fights. We can become advocates for each other for a godly mission, not a personal one. Hear this today. The outward fights that we have with our spouse are a verbal or physical manifestation of the internal war that rages in our individual hearts. We've got to identify our desires, our wants, where they come from and what we believe about them to make some progress in this area. So if you listened last week, you walked away with some homework and it's just that it's jumpstarting your path to stop the fighting, listing all of your wants. Don't leave any of them out, whether they're specifically for your marriage or not. In fact, make two columns of these, a tangible column, something you want like a new car and an intangible list, something you want like respect or admiration. With that list in hand, then divide your desires into three different categories. The first category is desires that are biblical, something that God's word says is a good thing. The second category are things that are not wrong, but they're not biblically mandated. And the final category, things that are sinful and back every single one of these up with scripture, because we can so easily make our own rules on what we classify as right or acceptable or what we expect of our spouse. We can make exceptions to suit our preferences and to even control situations. If you listed something as a biblical desire, like Tracy said, we ask you to back that up with scripture because sometimes we realize that we actually can't. This might be something that's close or maybe loosely related to something that the Bible talks about. But you know, sometimes there's things that we've convinced ourselves and we're flat out wrong. If you listed a desire in the not wrong, but maybe not sinful category. Let's go a little bit further because sometimes in this process that we're talking about, God will point out that these things actually can be sins proven by God's word. And therefore we've got to move it to the other category. And it is so eye opening. If you listed one of your desires in that sin category, the truth that you're identifying from God's word is going to help you to see clearly what you need to do about it going forward. So we've made this list. Not so you're going to have more ammunition to fight with your spouse, but to actually take the arrows out of the string. These desires reveal our hearts and they need to be addressed biblically. So don't fool yourself into thinking, hey, everything is just a-okay lying dormant in your heart. What they're doing there is not benign. Don't be fooled. They can grow like a malignant cancer if we don't seek the cure. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit here. But there's this other battle I want to talk about for a minute. Yes, we've got the inward battle, but we've got an outward one as well. And it's not against our spouse either. Ephesians 6.12 reminds us that the struggle we have, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not something we can see, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world that we live in, against the spiritual forces of evil that are in the heavenly realms. That's why 1 Peter 5 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He grabs our unity when we are least expecting it. He purposefully works to eat up our relationship by pitting us against each other as enemies. 
It is Satan's intense and intent desire to convince you that you deserve this thing that's standing between you and your spouse. You have the right to it and no one better stand in your way. That's how he starts the devouring process. He tells you, you've got to have it. When he's got us locked down in that belief, here's what happens. And you've probably seen this play out in your own life. We detach ourselves from our spouse because now they're the enemy. Of course we stand alone and that's exactly where Satan wants us isolated. So is your relationship slowly dying? Now, you know, what's killing it. It's not a mystery any longer. Is that where your enemy has you embroiled in a war that from all angles looks like it's you against him or you against her? I can tell you in my own marriage, it's easy to get there. And you say to yourself, but how, why is this happening? Why do I believe the lies of the enemy rather than the truth of God and his word? Well, it's because at the root of it, so often we're convinced that we think we know what's best. And that's because we're believing the wrong things. It's because we're not trusting God. Because we don't know our God like we should. And we're not letting him get close to us either. And like Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 6, we're building our houses on sand, not the solid stone. Because I'm calling Jesus Lord, Lord, but I'm not doing what he says. My own heart condition has allowed these wars to rob the precious things in my marriage. So what has Satan convinced you that you must have? I want you to actually answer that. What am I not willing to give up for the life and the health of my marriage? Take a second and give that thing a name. What have I placed in higher value than this covenant relationship that God has given us? In this last week, what did I go to blows over verbally or what did I manipulate to get for myself? If we look at God's word, he has a lot to say about things that we want and what to do with them. And one of the most amazing passages to me is found in John 15. And I think a lot of times this passage is taken out of context, but if we look at it in the right way, it also holds a lot of great promise for us. Now, Jesus here just to give you some context, is talking about abiding in him, staying attached to the vine. And he says in verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, here's the deal. You can ask me for anything you want, whatever you wish, and it will be granted. And you're like, sweet. Okay. Well, God, here's my list of (laughs) desires. Let's get her done. But when was the last time you asked God for something that you wanted rather than fought yourself to get it? Let's look at some of our personal examples from these three categories. So when it comes to desires that are biblical, David and I are pouring our hearts and our lives into vows to keep marriage ministries. And we would love to be able to do that more and more full time to devote our entire calendar to that. We've prayed about it very seriously and God is continuing to open doors. We see him at work. We've got our hearts right before God on this. We know this is not a sinful desire. How about the category of things that are not sinful, but not necessarily biblically mandated? Well, let me tell you this one. David and I are about 1,300 miles from home right now, what we would call home. And there's been many moments in the last 10 years that we've had the discussion about maybe moving back to our home state. And there's been times where I've really pressed that, but David's felt like God is saying no to that right now. And I have not accepted that answer very well in the past. My desire to move back home in the past has caused division between us. So, okay, I've got to take this to God in prayer. This is not a sinful request, but when I do pray about it, I don't get a settled feeling in my heart. It's not a blatantly selfish request, but I know God has asked us to be here 
right now, right where we are. And I need to trust him that his timing is best. And I can give an example for the third category. Something is sinful in nature. Selfishly, when I first met Tracy, I wanted to own many, many cars. In fact, I had a vision of my life at the time that I was about where I'm at right now, where I'd have barns and barns of cars. But then Tracy lovingly pointed out to me, Matthew chapter six, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And that is so true here in Ohio, where the thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The sin would be letting this stuff on earth prevent me from pursuing the calling that God has for Tracy and I to lay up treasures in heaven through this ministry. And I want to say, you know what? I've actually had a lot of cars, but I don't have any barns because all of the cars I've had, I've been able to enjoy and then sell and work toward getting out of debt. But it's certainly an important posture change from when I first met you, Tracy. Definitely different. Rather than engaging your spouse in a battle over something you want, here's what we're leading up to. Pray about it. It's going to reveal your heart to not only yourself, it's also going to shed light on which category that desire is falling into. James 4.2 says you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. There's an invitation right there. Jesus invites us to do it too. We just read about that. But in your asking, God's character, his answer, and your desire, they are all revealed. James 4 continues in verse 3, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Guilty, right? Got our hand in the air. (laughs) Some of us are looking to God to be this big candy dispenser in the sky. And if you're asking out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda... God is too loving to give you what you want. That's a hard thing to hear, but it is so true. You want that promotion so you can drive that fancier SUV or build that bigger house. But why? If you're asking for something that would please him, something biblical, great, keep asking. But if he sees that what you're asking for will lead to your destruction, his answer of no may be to teach you something. James chapter four, verse four goes on to say, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. God's calling our bluff here, seeing what's really going on inside and what's really behind the ask that we have of him. An adulterer is someone who's broken their covenant, that they've abandoned their first love. Those that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ are not who this passage is speaking to. A non-Christian isn't in a covenant relationship with God. They can't cheat on their first love because they've not even met him yet. But it's very possible for a believer to have that divided heart that he's talking about. We can go from despising all of the other loves, all the things in this world, to chasing after them. God sees that we ask for what we want with a divided heart. One foot on the world's turf and the other on the other side of the fence wanting the things of the Lord. And when we live divided between those two worlds, the result is always going to be strife. The war is going to rage. And we can know we are living with a divided heart, even an adulterous heart, when we're worried and anxious about getting our happiness or our security or our comfort or our pleasure. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. 
So seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he's going to give you everything you need. See, our father knows we can't serve two masters. We'll always show loyalty to the one and hate the other. Have you been trying to serve yourself and God? Well, that's going to cause fights. Have you been trying to serve a dream and God? Guess what? Strife and division. How about a personal standard and God also? You can know by looking at what war is raging. And you most likely are going to see it in the conversations in your marriage. This really, David, I think is an issue of love or hate, loyalty and adultery of the heart. And Jesus calling us to abide in him, like we talked about earlier, calling us to obey him. We see the basis for all of his commands in John 15, 12 and 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love as no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I wonder if you are unselfishly seeking the best for your spouse this week, just as Jesus did for you. Is your commitment stronger to follow God, to seek him first, rather than this desire inside you? Have you recently laid down your life for your husband or for your wife? If our desires are the right thing, the fighting will stop. That unsolvable thing between you suddenly vaporizes. We can't just throw out the old without replacing it, though, with the new. So let's ask this question we've been leading up to. What should we want? Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 11, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you're going to find it. Knock, it'll be opened up for you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it'll be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That is an open invitation right there for us to ask for more of God. And really in this passage, God is promising what we really need. He's promising himself. He's identifying himself as our Father And even playing on the fact that many of us are parents. We can hear that in this passage. We want to give our kids good things. We know their needs and we work to meet those needs. It's very important to us. God wants that kind of relationship with us, that moment by moment, day to day relationship. He calls us to seek, to desire his kingdom and his righteousness. We read that earlier from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount to set our hearts and our minds and therefore our desires on him and what he freely offers. Because if you look at your list of desires and you think, oh man, a lot of these are sinful. God wants me to throw away everything I want. You could come up feeling empty handed, but here we want to offer you hope because God freely offers you so many things. He offers you his grace, his spirit, his presence, his promises, everything you need for life and godliness. Every good thing in your life comes from his hand. He is your father and he is watching out for what you need. This is not a coincidence. Right before God warns us about our enemy, who's looking for our relationships and our lives to destroy, we're reminded of this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares about you with the deepest kind of affection and watches over you very carefully. He's not going to withhold himself from you. Do you see that? He promises that in Hebrews chapter 13, he says, 
He who will never leave us or forsake us. We can trust him to give us the ability to love as he's commanded. We can trust him that as we seek him, we surrender our desires to him, that he will give us what we need. Will you surrender? Belief, trust, and surrender. Those really are the key words we want you to walk away with today because right there, you can change your desires to godly desires and your marriage is going to reap the benefits. Those roots are going to get healthy and there's going to be abundant fruit, belief, trust, and surrender. We're just about to wrap up here on Vows to Keep Radio, so stick with us as we finish. When I convince myself that I need this thing on my list to be happy, to be satisfied, I'm on the losing end of the battle that rages. The victory is won and it's proven actually in what I believe. I'm an easy prey for the enemy because belief is where the battle is won or lost. Am I going to put my belief in this thing on my list that if I get that, that's going to be the fulfillment of everything I want? Or am I going to put my belief in a God who said that he's going to give me everything I need? When I trust in this thing on my desires list, the enemy side gains a point and it's proven in what I trust. If I trust the Lord to be my father, my provider, I'm not going to be grabbing what I think I need. I'm going to be trusting him. And when I hang on to my desires as my right, that's proven in the unity that I give up the unity I surrender with my spouse. I'm willing to sacrifice it to have what I want. But when my beliefs about God and his word give me a trust in him, I'm happy to stand before God with all my desires in my hand, not grasping them tightly, but holding them with an open hand. In that moment, my heart's in the right before God, and I let him exercise his authority in my life. And let me tell you, when I do this, my heart is so full in that moment. It's not a moment of, okay, God, you win. Here you go. (laughs) It's a moment of joy that I can experience again and again as I deal with new desires that come down the pike. Praise God for the truth of these things you're talking about, Tracy, because in them are desires. They really don't stand a chance. My demanding need for anything that's on my list, it doesn't hold water. I trust God. I surrender. I'm blessed. There's nothing to fight over anymore. If my spouse talks about some topic that's a hot topic for us, that's okay because I can have a calm conversation with her about it. I can listen. I can love. I can pray. And I can surrender. No fighting. It's pretty cool. Before we leave you today, I want to give you a quick marriage tip. You've heard of our quick marriage questions, right? Well, this is a quick marriage tip. Don't leave your hidden desires undealt with. Those are the ones you think your spouse doesn't know about. Those are the ones you didn't want to write down. Those are the ones that you brought up maybe once or twice with your spouse and there wasn't any resolution. Your spouse thinks it's over with because you haven't brought it up again, but in your heart, you're still hanging on to it. Those are hidden desires, and they're the ones that tend to not get put in our open hand before the Lord. They're the ones that usually cause us the most heartburn. So number one, we need to reflect on who God is. Go back in biblical history, go back in our history, and look for the times where life and death were set before you, like it says in Joshua 25, and remember how God helped you to choose life. Bring your desires before your Heavenly Father. Tell Him about them believe, trust, and surrender that he's able to handle even these tough ones. Secondly, you've got to bring them before your spouse. This oftentimes means asking for forgiveness. Sometimes it means forgiving them, asking to pray together about these things. 
And if in the future you're recognizing that this is cropping up again, go through the process all over again. Don't let them take up room in your heart because if they do, you'll be in the same spot that you are right now, divided, serving this thing while trying to serve God. So what are you not willing to give up for the life and health of your marriage? What have you placed in higher value than this covenant relationship? What are you willing to go to blows over verbally to get for yourself? If you want the fighting to stop, live the life of trust with an open hand of surrender before the Lord. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. Like what you heard today on Vows to Keep Radio? Listen to more life-changing broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.